Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. The East Village Times Podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches, a local company out of San Diego, formed in 2013. Check them out at OriginalGrain.com. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dotty. Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? Uh, just basking in the glow. We finally had a trade. We've been waiting seemingly weeks for a trade. A lot of people thought AJ Preller was never going to make a trade again. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. And then there, then there were those who who said that uh, he wouldn't be unable to make a trade because another GM wouldn't want to trade with him. But obviously, that's not the case. Um, Padres emptied out their bullpen uh, in, in a way, um, trading both Ryan Buckter and uh, Brandon Maurer uh, yesterday. Uh, well, actually, it was two days ago. Yeah, two days ago now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a tough loss. Both Patrick and I have talked about it before. As far as Brandon Maurer, I know a lot of people went high on him. Um, both Patrick and I saw the the upside on him. I mean, his his FIP was was pretty amazing. He was getting a lot of weak contact. Um, you know, a lot of people are judging his performance off his ERA and, and a couple of blown saves, but you know, he has potential. Um, but in the same regard, we got some pretty decent uh, players in return. Patrick, you want to go ahead and, and talk a little bit about uh, Stram and, and Ruiz as well as uh, Travis Wood? Yeah, so at the end, the trade was uh, three for three. We had Bookter, Maurer, Cahill going to Kansas City, uh, Matt Strom, Estery, Estery, I don't even know how to say his name. I'll just call him Ruiz, uh, yeah. coming back, <laughs> as well as Travis Wood, who's been in the major leagues for what seems like forever at this point. Um, I personally like the trade. I know there's some people that thought, um, we didn't get enough value considering we gave up three parts uh, of, of the roster, basically, and, and two guys that are under control for several more years. Uh, Maurer's under control through, I believe, 19. Uh, Bookter, I believe, through 2021. Uh, Cahill, obviously a free agent um, after this season, so not much loss there. Um, as for Strom and, and Ruiz, I've been debating in my head who the real, I guess, prize of this package is um a lot of people think it's Ruiz he's 18 year old kind of came out of really nowhere uh just tearing apart the AZL right now um as for Strom I think he's the more I guess known commodity if you want to say that although he's really not had too much experience in the big leagues at this point um I think he was drafted 2012 uh made his debut last year operated pretty much out of the Royals bullpen um he was a 21st rounder in the 2012 MLB draft so didn't really come from much. He wasn't really a hot prospect, although he was ranked on some top 100 lists uh, at the end of last season after 22 innings with the Royals uh, at the big league level. He had a 1.23 ERA. He looked really good in that short stint. Um, has had some struggles this year. Started started the year um, back up with the Royals. Um, obviously, he's had, he's had an injury, so he's going to be out the rest of the year. Um, I think long-term, he's a guy they want to see as a starter. 
I'm not sure if he actually can stick as a starter. He's really a two-pitch pitcher. He's got a fastball and a curveball. Um, he has a changeup. Some say average. Some say below average. He's going to have to work on that changeup if he wants to, to be a starter. But I think he has every chance to do it with the Padres. They're definitely going to give him every chance to start next year. Um, they're probably pretty much guaranteeing him a rotation spot, at least in spring training. He'd have to really blow it, I think, to lose that spot because there's really not much else there. I mean, look into who's really going to be in the rotation next year. I mean, once Chassin and Richard are gone, if, if neither guy gets re-signed or both are traded, you have Lamette, um, maybe maybe Kyle Lloyd after his start last night. He, maybe he's a guy that can build up some value as the season mm-hmm. progresses. Um, but outside of them and Perdomo, there's really not a lot there. I mean, maybe Travis Wood sticks in the rotation if they don't end up if he doesn't end up back in the bullpen. I know he's had he's had a lot of experience in both roles throughout his career. Uh, but at this point, yeah, Strom's a guy who I think he could be the prize of the uh, of the trade. I think he's got some value, and if he's not a, a starter, I think he's going to be a more valuable relief pitcher than Maurer simply because he's a left-hander. The curveball's nasty. The fastball hits mid 90s, upper 90s. <laughs> in relief. I, I think he's a guy who could be really useful. Um, as for Ruiz, that's kind of the, the uh, dark horse here. Not much is known about him. He's 18 years old. He did well in the DSL last year. Now he's in the AZL. Um, he's really tearing apart the AZL. He's hitting 419, he was hitting 419 as of as of the trade. 10 doubles, 6 triples, 3 home runs. Um, he's small. He's six foot, 150 pounds, so he's got some room to grow. Uh mm-hmm. I don't want to compare him to Fernando Tatis, but if you remember when Fernando Tatis was acquired, he was not on the White Sox top 30. Everyone kind of threw a fit because there was a guy that wasn't on the top 30, and now we have the Royals who have an even worse farm system, and he's a guy that couldn't hit the top 30. But even, even with that, um, I think he's a guy who could who could grow in value. Um, in, in a piece I wrote uh, on Tuesday morning, Ben Badler had a lot of nice things to say about him. In, in a He had a DSL report from last year he had a lot of nice things to say about him that although he's small he has really quick hands um, makes a lot of good contact hits the ball hard he could potentially hit 25 home runs if he adds some strength I mean he's only 150 pounds so obviously he's yeah. going to grow into that a bit and he also dropped the Alfonso Soriano comp which I don't yeah, like, I was I don't, gonna... you know how I feel about comps so I'm not sure if I want to jump on that yet yeah. But, I mean, it's it's a good thing to hear, I guess, as a Padre fan. And I saw some video of him, and he does have those quick hands. He's very explosive at the plate. Um, mm-hmm. There's some there's mm-hmm. some concerns with the defense. There was talk of him being a shortstop, but it looks more like second base, although he still has some defensive quirks to work out there. But, yeah, yeah. both guys yeah. I like a lot. Travis Wood's a guy who we're basically getting for free, uh, not paying any of the salary unless they have that buyout. Um, he's a guy you could flip at next year's deadline. I mean, we've seen Darren Balsley – with all sorts of success with guy after guy. You see Cahill had success. Drew Pomerantz last year. In the past, Tyson Ross was a guy who came from relative obscurity and became a top-line pitcher. So I, I'm very confident that he can fix uh, Wood and, and in the same way help, I think, Matt Strom, who's still young and still has uh, time. I mean, I know some people say, oh, Matt Strom's already 26, but that's not really that old for a, a pitcher um, coming out of high school – or, sorry, college. So – I think there's still time for him to grow and to improve as a pitcher, and I think that he's in the right situation to do that. Uh, new, new ballpark, uh, a ballpark that's still still more pitcher friendly, although it's it's gone the other way in recent years. Um, and, and, and a pitching coach who has had just immense amount of success turning these kind of pitchers around. So I, I think it's a good trade for the Padres, and it, it it's obviously filled with some risk, but that's the kind of move you have to make when you're a rebuilding team trying to extract value. Yeah, no, you know, this is, I think, a, a very good example of an A.J. Peller type of trade. I mean, he's taking a, 
undervalued prospect, someone that he's obviously well aware of. I'm sure he scouted him last year in the in the DSL, and, and um, he put up good numbers in the DSL last year as a 17 year old. I mean his uh, his slash line was 313, 378, and 512 as a 17 year old. Um, he had five homers, uh, stole 13 bases. So the kid has talent, and I'm sure the Padres were well aware of it. Um, whether or not everyone else and the Royals in particular were, um, you know, AJ Preller's uh, international scouting guru. He he can look at these 17 year old kids. He's fluent in Spanish. He can communicate with them. He can see what kind of uh, drive they have. And obviously, they're they're very happy with what they see in Ruiz. Um, I, I like what I see in Strom. I, I really wasn't well aware of him. I, I had heard of him. I had seen you know innings here and there, but really hadn't paid attention. But looking at video of him, he's he's pretty impressive. I mean, mid nineties fastball with a with a with a nasty slider. He, he, I mean, you said it yourself. If, if he can get a changeup or, or a third pitch, then he could probably be a, a mid-rotation starter. And, that, you know, that's a pretty good get for, for what the Padres dealt. Yeah, I mean, he's got a – according to Fangraphs, he's he's rated as a 60 fastball with a future 70 curve. So mm-hmm. if he can figure out a, a third pitch and, and work on the command a little bit, I think he could definitely be a mid-rotation starter. Um, that, that's about where he sits in terms of value. Yeah it, yeah, it depends on if that's in the cards or not. I know that's that's something that we still need to, to see how it plays out. But even if that doesn't work out, I think – as a reliever, he's a guy that can be dangerous. I and mean, you see how many relievers, these guys get turned into relievers and have such success and they become trade chips themselves. So I know you don't think about this guy as a trade chip now, but three years down the road when this team's ready to compete, either he's a big part of that competing in the rotation or the, or the bullpen or he's a trade chip. And that's just kind of what it's about is just turning more and more guys into trade chips and just turning over the roster and continue to do this over and over again. And that's what they've been doing the last few years, and it's, it's worked out well. To this point, uh, the one concern I have with Strom is the command. I know he's he walked almost six batters per nine this year. Uh, he had a fourteen percent walk rate, twelve percent last year. So he he does have his uh, share of, of struggles with with commanding the ball. But I think if he yeah. can work out those little quirks and, and figure out the changeup or maybe some other third pitch, I know uh, Luis Perdomo's kind of had the same issue. He's been working on a third pitch, and I, I know he's worked yeah. a lot with Balsley about being more versatile in his repertoire. And I think if Strom can do that same sort of thing, it, it could be a resounding success here. So I like the move sure. in, in that regard. And I think um, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. It kind of sucks that we have to wait until next year to see how Strom plays out. But uh, patience yeah. is a virtue. <laughs> the, you know, that's that's another thing that, you know, A.J. Preller took advantage of the Royals in, in the regard that they dealt Strom just simply because he was not usable for them this year. And, and you know, his with his knee injury, he's lost for the year. So uh, Preller steps in and takes uh, advantage of the situation and gets a player who, who is going to have value next year for sure. And, you know, the Padres aren't going anywhere this year, so there's no sense in, in hoarding Brandon Maurer and, and Ryan Buckter and, and Trevor Cahill. Uh, the point is to bring in talent for next season, for, bring in talent for next spring training that can battle out and, and can, you know, compete against each other for roster spots. And Stram is, is definitely going to be someone who's going to, you're going to keep your eye on. I mean, and you can't, you cannot ignore the the Darren Ballsy factor. I mean, you talked about his control and, and his uh, limiting his his walks and, and stuff like that. And, and when I hear that, I think of Brad Hand in, in coming over from Miami, who had the same issues: dominant slider, mid nineties fastball, but just couldn't stay between his lanes and and cons- consistently, you know, get his mechanics right. And you got to be excited for what Darren Ballsy and the the opportunity that he has to work with this young man. I mean, obviously, it's not a guarantee, but Good things could happen. I mean, look at what he did with Pomerantz. Look what he did with Hand. I mean, it's he has a track record. 
Yeah, and I think in all of this, it kind of gets lost at what A.J. Preller is doing. I know a lot of people will say, he's, yeah, he's a great international scout. He knows how to get uh, young Latin players. Um, he knows how to pick them. But I think at this point, you, you kind of see him starting to build a big league roster. I know some people are saying he doesn't really have that in him. He hasn't really shown that he can build that winner at the big league level. But, I mean, with who he's picked up pretty much for free from these teams, I mean, and what they've become, look at Brad Hand, look at Drew Pomerantz. I mean, yeah, Yonder Alonso's having success now, but we turned Drew Pomerantz into Anderson Espinosa. And you look at, like I said, Hand, you look at Kirby Yates, who's – come from really nowhere he was selected off waivers at the beginning of the year from the angels the angels didn't want him and now he's looking like one of the better relief pitchers in baseball and he could be the brad hand of next year if if all goes well so you look you look at this and we're starting to see more and more um examples of of aj preller finding big league talent not just these international players and i think that's a really great sign for the padres because as a team with not a lot of money to spend they're not gonna be able to compete with the dodgers just um just drafting players and hoping they all pan out and and not paying any of them. I mean, they're going to have to start finding these little niches and these these little advantages that the Dodgers aren't finding. And I think that's what we're seeing lately with all these waiver wire pickups that are working out. I think that's a really good sign for the future. I mean, look at the Dodgers. They have all sorts of money to spend. They still have a great farm system. They have all these young players. To compete with that, we're going to have to, to do the extra, go the extra mile. And I think Preller's doing that right now with, with all these moves. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's an exciting time. It, this next five, six days is going to be uh, exciting as well for Padre fans to see what kind of turnover we can get and, and, and you know, what what exactly can he obtain for, for Brad Hand or, or even for Kirby Yates or, you know, whatever else is available out there um, for the Padres. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough as a Padre fan um, going through this year after year where you're selling off your, your players that have value. But it's a different feel this year because we all know that this team is not built for right now. They're they're built for the future, and we've seen the progression that this farm system has made. So the excitement is there. I mean, look at, I mean, Lucchese, Quantrill, Lauer all in Double A and performing pretty well. So this time next year, all three of those guys are probably going to be knocking on the door, if not already in the major leagues or having a cup of coffee here or there. The progression is happening. The 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 players are starting to jump levels. So 2019 isn't as far away as, as people think. And in, in all honesty, next year could be a pretty decent year as far as competitiveness from this team. Yeah, I think we've kind of – I mean, I frankly have been surprised at how competitive the team has been this year considering they're pretty much fielding a triple-A roster. I mean, you have half the team is – it seems like almost half the team is rookies and the other half are kind of cast-offs that other teams didn't really want. I mean – Outside of, like, maybe Will Myers and Brad Hand, those are, like, the two that you really see as, like... I mean, going into the season, they were talented players. I mean, we can discuss Will Myers to death about what he's been this year. But uh, outside of those guys, it was just basically a team of scrubs. And at this point, they're not the worst team in baseball. I mean, they're actually fairly competitive. I mean, they've, they've beaten the Cubs yeah. several times. Um, they continually beat the Giants, who... I don't know I don't know what the deal with that is. I mean, the Giants are pretty yeah. bad this year, but it's still kind of amazing. But yeah, I mean, they're a competitive team. It seems like every night they're competing, and they're not really getting blown out of too many games. I mean, save for a few cores meltdowns and a few other meltdowns here and there, they're, they're competitive. I mean, the Mets, yeah. aren't, the Mets aren't a great team by any stretch, but they're competing with the Mets, and they competed with the Indians last, what, two weeks ago. So they're not really, like... 
I guess, folding and dying the way I expected them to. And maybe that's bad for the tank, but at this point, you got to think it's it's positive for the development of these guys to, to fight and be in these games and get some wins. I mean, it's, it's got to be good for their confidence, especially for the younger guys like Renfro, Margot, uh, Hedgie, and on and on. I mean, it, it's good to see this positive development. And then the farm system, as you said, has been, been great development all year long. I mean, there's so many guys that have made great strides. There's obviously some guys that are, have been held back a little bit, but at this point, you can't really complain with how many of the top 10 prospects are, are moving quickly. And a lot of them are in double A now. And yeah, it's, it's realistic to say a lot of these guys are going to be here next year. And who, who's to say the Padres can't win 70, 75 games next year. And then 2019 closer to 80. And at that point you're, you're in the window then. So yeah, I, I still yeah. think there's a lot of, lot to work out. Um, very pitchy pitching heavy, as I've tweeted about over the past several days. Um, mm-hmm. They need to start finding mm-hmm. more impact position players i know you got urias and tatis and maybe Naylor, but outside of that there's really not a lot of guys that stand out um even at the lower levels i know there's a lot of 18 19 year old guys they still need to show a lot before you really think they can be in the big leagues in the next two or three years i mean that that's kind of pushing with those guys those guys are more four or five year uh plans so in 2019 who do you have in the lineup i mean unless you're betting heavily on hedges renfro and margot to all be um if not star level players, at least above average players, you, you need those guys to have success and you need Will Myers to, to figure it out. If you really want to be at least somewhat competitive as mm-hmm. soon as two years from now, I think that's maybe pushing it, but with how the pitching has been, um, we've been surprised I think by the pitching staff this year with really a bunch of scrubs out there. And now you start to see Lamette come up. You see Lloyd getting a start. Uh, Kelly's probably going to be here sooner than later. I know Kelly and Lloyd aren't two guys that really stand out. They're not really top of the rotation potential guys. They're not really mid-rotation guys. But once you see those guys coming up and then you see Quantrill, Lauer, Lucchese following, I think it could start to come together rather quickly here in the next two years. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an exciting time to be a Padre fan. Uh, it's just, you know, trusting that process. I know that's uh, a lot of uh, people have been using that phrase, but it, it is about trusting the process. And, you know, it's not a guarantee. There's no guarantee that all these guys are going to pan out. There's no guarantee for Fernando Tatis Jr. So, you know, it, it's 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 about providing uh, excess of talent and allowing that talent to progress and to develop and to blossom and then hopefully out of that group you can get a few players here and there that can perform at the major league level because the bottom line is this team is far from competing and and the the farm system is still a work in progress but it's amazing to see what aj preller's done with this team and with this farm system I, i mean i've never really concentrated and delved into the farm system like i have over the past two years and and i'm excited and 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 it's fun to see these players progress through single A, double A, triple A, and, and then finally, hopefully, make it to the major. So, as a Padre fan, it's an exciting time. Uh, we'll just have to be patient. You know, what kind of return will we get in the next couple of days for, say, a Brad Hand? Um, you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit, Patrick. Um, you know, I, in all honesty, I think that Brad Hand is going to bring in a pretty decent haul. Um, you know, it's tough to say exactly what AJ Preller is doing since he kind of does the opposite of what people think. But I'd have to imagine that the Padres are going to be looking for position players um, with with the return for hand. I know, I know you've mentioned it a lot that the, we're very pitchy heavy, pitching heavy. So at, at this point, gathering more arms would kind of seem pointless, wouldn't it? I, I actually disagree with the sentiment that you 
that you trade or draft for need necessarily. I think you just get yeah. what's available. If, if okay, um, okay, yeah. So if one of these teams is going to offer you a top fifty pitching prospect, you're not going to say no. I mean, yeah, no, with, I, definitely. Yeah, with with how deep the Padres farm system is, I think you come to a point two years down the road where you, you kind of take stock of what, what pitchers we have, who's going to be a part of this team, like how many pitchers do we have? Do we have enough pitchers to field a roster? If there's more than enough. A pitching surplus. So if all of these guys work out, if Quantrill, Lauer, Lucchese, Baez, Motorhone, if all these guys work out, then yeah, you, you you can probably trade from that position of strength and go out there and get um, more talented position players. I know the Braves have a similar issue. The Braves have a lot of pitching. I know they have Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson is now at the big league level. They do have those position player prospects, but they are more pitching heavy as well. And if you look at the Cubs, the Cubs built entirely on hitting. And now you see the Cubs making those moves. They traded Elo Jimenez and Dylan Cease. So Jimenez is one of their position player surplus, right? They don't have a spot necessarily for him, at least in the short term, maybe in the long term. So they mm-hmm. went and traded him to the White Sox in order to get a controllable starting pitcher in Quintana. So three years down the line, if the Padres figure out we have way too many pitchers, not a position player, that's fine. You can trade from that strength and address that weakness and get more position players. As for Hand, though, yeah, I think you just take what's, what the best offer is. I don't think they should hold on to Brad Hand because relief pitchers are so volatile. And if you look at Tyson Ross, that was a starting pitcher who some would argue they're even more volatile depending on how you want to look at it. Um, they held on to him and ended up getting nothing for him when they probably could have gotten a top 100 prospect for him easily if they would have made that move in that offseason. They chose not to, and now we look. It's all hindsight. Hindsight's obviously 2020, but in hindsight, that was the wrong move. So with Hand, I think it's a similar scenario that you should just make the move here. And if you don't get a top 50 prospect, I think that's fine. You don't need to... I don't think you... I don't think you need to hold this price so high in your head and, and not budge from that. I think if you can get a top maybe 50 to 100 prospect, that's totally fine. Although this is all just guesswork saying, oh, they deserve this level of prospect. I think it really is more important that it's looking individual systems and where these guys fit in an individual system and where they're going to slot in, a, in the Padre system. I think that's more important than saying, oh, so-and-so ranked him 51st out of 100 prospects in baseball. Whatever, that's irrelevant. Um, that yeah, a whole other yeah. consideration completely. So I think at this point you take the best offer of a hand come July 31st and you just move on. Don't regret it. I don't care if hand goes on to have two more all-star seasons. That's fine. That's not valuable on the Padres. And I don't think you're going to get more value for him next trade deadline or even this offseason. I mean, he's got less control, yeah. um, more mileage on the arm. He's not getting any younger. At this point, there's really no reason to hold him. A guy like Kirby Yates, yeah, he lacks the track records. I think Kirby Yates, it makes sense to hold him at least until next year and, and see what you can get unless you can like fleece someone in the off season. If Kirby Yates becomes a closer say and has a dominant two run stretch or two month stretch here. But with hand, I don't think that's really going to be the case. I think he's due for regression. I mean, he's been great. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to say he's not a great pitcher, but with how well he's pitched, I don't think it's something he can maintain for the next two and a half seasons. And I don't even want to say he's going to maintain it for the next season which is yeah. what they would be betting on if they don't trade him this offseason and if they wait till next deadline. I think that's a dangerous game to play. And exactly. This farm exactly. system's deep, so you can afford to take a loss on hand, but I don't think you need to t- I don't think you're you're counting on that here. I think Padre fans would be very upset if they did take a loss on hand. So at this point, I think you take the quality over the quantity. If you can get some quality for hand now, just make the move. Don't worry about could we have gotten a better deal next offseason or could we have gotten the number one prospect from this team? I don't think it's relevant. I think if you can get talent for him now, you make the move. 
Nice. Yeah, you you, you got to do it, and and I think you're right as far as value wise. Uh, his value is never going to be higher. And uh, you know, being a pitcher, there's it's, there's always the injury factor and the risk factor uh, that comes with that. So, you know, you you just want to the team's built for the future. You want to get pieces for the future, and and obviously Brad Hand Brad Hand is is a great pitcher, but he's just the the time isn't going to work out with with when the Padres are going to compete. Definitely. And as for like Julius Chastain and Clayton Richard, um, if you can get anything of value for them, I would just give those guys away. There's no, there's no reason to hold on to those guys. Um, they just need to move them. I mean, sure yeah. they can they can eat another fifty, sixty innings the rest of the season. But at this point, if you can get even a low level flyer type prospect, I mean, look at Melvin Upton Jr. We got Hansel Rodriguez. He's yeah. maybe not working out as a starter now. He's looking like a dynamite relief option. So if he can, yeah, if he can progress through the minors and become a reliever, that's still value. I mean, for a guy like Melvin Upton who wasn't going to stay with your team, who wasn't really providing anything. I mean, yeah, he's fun to watch, but. Who yeah. really cares when you're winning 60, 70 games? I mean, at this no, point... Preller is, is the king of value. deals like that. I mean, look at what he got for, for Derek Norris. I mean, Pedro Avila is a, is a decent pitching prospect who's, who's performing pretty and, and, well. Out and of now that. Derek Norris might not ever play baseball again. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you have to appreciate the fact that he knows when to maximize value on players and to move them. And, and I'm hoping Hand take... is the same thing here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, folks, we will be back shortly. Uh, we are here, episode 50, and we have a special guest uh, lined up. Jonathan Mayo will be here of MLB.com, uh, fresh off the brand new rankings of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. So we'll definitely have some uh, exciting things to discuss with him as far as the Padres' new top 30. Uh, so stick with us for that. Um, I'd like to speak to you a couple seconds here about Original Grain Watches, which is our sponsor. Uh, Andrew over there has done uh, well in taking care of us, uh, taking care of our guests as well. Um, you know, check out OriginalGrain.com. They are a local company that produces some quality timepieces. Uh, they've done work with the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees on some limited edition timepieces that are absolutely beautiful. Um, we're trying to get the Padres to, to wake up on a local company uh, in their own backyard. So check out OriginalGrain.com <laughs> and uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments uh, about the company. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us on episode 50 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined uh, with by Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com, fresh off the brand new top 30 MLB rankings uh, for each team. Jonathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you? Not doing too bad. Uh, enjoying uh, a little bit of Padre baseball. We, we The team seems to be playing a little better, uh, a little better than most uh, presume they would play. Um Give me some quick thoughts on, on what you see from the Padres, uh, you know, the team that uh, was supposed to lose 100 games this year. Yeah, you know what, they're, I think the best way that I can describe them is is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that as a, as a compliment, you know. It, it, no one expected them to compete, and they're not competing, but they're more competitive than I think people thought. Um, mm-hmm. I know that seems kind of Funny to say about a team that's what uh, twenty six and a half games out of first place uh, as we yeah. talked. Some of that is because the Dodgers are insane. Yeah, 
you know, and, and you know, truth be told, on a larger scale, looking at all the teams, the Padres aren't good. But um, I haven't seen a ton of them. But even when you know, I live in Pittsburgh, and when the Pirates played them, I, you know, I think the the younger guys are, are making contributions. They they bring a certain energy. They play hard. I think for a team that you know sort of flipped that switch to rebuild mode, they're they're right where you would hope they would be. Maybe even a little ahead, just because some of those guys are getting experience and, and getting positive experience. Yeah, no, it, the team is I think interesting is definitely a word to use with them because you know they can look fantastic one night and then look just lost the next, and you know I, that's part of the rebuilding process. And, and the Padre fans understand that there's a, a lot of players that are kind of learning their way and, and kind of finding them way, their way in the game. But it, it's uh, it's something for Padre fans to be happy about as far as the progression, you know. Um, let's let's talk about Andy Green in particular. Uh, give me your thoughts on him as far as the, this young team and, and whether or not you think he's the right man to kind of steer these, these young players in, in the correct direction. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a little hard for me to really be able to, to break down because I don't see them enough. But okay, given, okay. You know, but... but I can sort of speak on a general level, you know, given his background, given the fact that he's worked with younger players, that, you know, that he's a younger guy, um, I, I think it, it could work. Um, he seems to be getting a good amount out of them, uh, you know, long term, you just have to sort of wait and see to make sure that he can hold on to their, their trust and, and their attention, uh, you know, as they start to continue to turn things around. Yeah, no, it's it's still exciting to see you know Margot and and Renfro and mm-hmm. and Hedges make make the progress that they have this year. Um, you know, we're fresh off a trade a couple of days ago uh, between the Royals and the Padres. Uh, I'd love to hear your quick thoughts on, uh, in particular, uh, Strom and, and Ruiz, the the two Padres uh, young players the Padres obtained. Yeah, you got me again on guys that I'm not. That <laughs> good so okay. I, I will tell you that one of the things that happens is um, I, I don't do the Royals top thirty list. Um, okay. So, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I didn't know much about them uh, going in. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to punt on that one. Okay, fair enough. That is fair enough. All right, let's let's move on to uh, what you should know more about your your top thirty that just dropped. Um, the top hundred, I think the Potters had six guys on your top hundred, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to start by talking about Mackenzie Gore, who is actually the highest rated Padre um, in the system. I think you had him at, I want to say thirty something. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I know he's 29. 29. Okay. I know he's number one in the Padres system. Um, so kind of what went into having him ahead of everyone else? Um, I know recent draft picks kind of have that, I guess that more shine to him. But so I, I wanted your thoughts on him and, and what kind of player you think he could be long-term. I'm going to put this all on Jim Callis. No, it's he, Jim leading into the draft. He loved Mackenzie Gore. Uh, and if you watch any of our draft coverage, uh, he must've said a half a dozen times that if he had the number one overall pick, he would, uh, he would have taken Gore. Um, that's how much he liked him. Now, uh, you know, now that he's in, in pro ball, it, it's a combination of now stuff, projectability, and feel for pitching. And you don't typically get all three of those things, especially not from a high schooler. Uh, I think you know he's a good athlete. I mean, he was a pretty good hitter. He could have been a two-way player in college if he had wanted to do that. Um, but you know, this is a guy with you know plus fastball, plus curveball, uh, a slider that's above average, and it's a definite, distinct breaking ball from his curveball, and an above average changeup with above average control. Um, so, and from the left side. So the combination of all those things, 
you know, is why we sort of ran him up to the top of the Padres list and as high as we as we did, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of where he is on the top 100. So I guess for the layman's fan, um, how, how is he different than Cal Quantrill? Like, how would you rate those two against each other? I know uh, Quantrill maybe, maybe lacks as many pitches as Gore has, or at least developed pitches. Um, so how would you compare those two guys? Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the biggest differentiation, of course, is that Gore's left-handed and Quantrill's not. Um, but uh, Gore's got more fastball already than Quantrill, and this is not taking anything away from Quantrill. Obviously, he's number two on the list, number 43 on the top 100 overall, uh, pitched in the Futures game. Um, he's already up in double-A. Yeah, so Quantrill's a little more advanced, even though Gore's control is probably better. Quantrill has an you know game plan, idea of how to set up hitters, things like that. Uh, is really advanced. I mean, and what he's been able to do this year is impressive considering how much time he missed uh, following Tommy John surgery. But uh, the, the, just the pure stuff isn't quite as good. Uh, you know, his changeup is a little bit better than Gore's, but Gore's got a better fastball and better breaking stuff. Uh, and there's more in the, you know, there might be more to come with Gore. I mean, I think that's what, you know, when we do these rankings, it's not a top prospect's, based on how they're performing right at this moment, um, based on some of the feedback we often get. That's what people think it is. But we're really trying to look at four or five years from now, who is going to be the best big leaguer, or seven, eight years from now, whatever you know, whatever the case may be. And I think uh, I like Cal Quantrill a lot. Uh, I think you know he is not the kind of guy that you look at and say, well, he might pitch at the top of the ro- of a rotation. Now he might, but he doesn't have that like pure stuff. Gore does, um, and I never use the word ace because uh, one, there aren't really that many true ones, and it's an unfair label. Uh, but I think if you look at the two of them and say which one of these guys six years from now is going to be an opening day starter, I think more people would say Gore than Quantrill. Yeah, I think top of the rotation starters are more fair. Uh term to use than ace um i wanted to talk about another comparison two guys that have kind of been lumped together a little bit at least in in uh, local uh, padre circles that i uh, am in so I, I want to talk about luis sirius and fernando tatis and kind of how you view those two guys i know urius kind of came out of nowhere and, and jumped onto the list i know he was um kind of i guess he didn't get as much attention as maybe he deserved last year uh, he kind of yep. tore apart high a and won the MVP, and now he's doing the same thing in double-A, albeit without the power. And Tatis so far has kind of just looked great in low-A, and he's just really showing all facets of the game. He's like a five-tool player. So I wonder your thoughts on those two guys, and I think that's a similar debate with with Quantrill and Gore. Um, so I wonder your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you personally, uh, well, let me back up just for a half a second in terms of our process and how we put our list together. It, it's, it's not a one-man show. There's actually three of us. It's myself. Jim Callis and Mike Rosenbaum, and we need to build uh, some consensus in terms of where we put guys. And I would prefer that. I think you know, uh, if I did, if I did it all by myself, and and I did once upon a time, you know, yes, I can elicit feedback from scouts and things like that. But I'd much rather have other people I trust and whose opinion I value to run this by. Mm-hmm. That said, if it were me. I would probably have flipped them. I would have had Tatis ahead of Urias. Mm-hmm. That's not taking anything away from Urias, but again, going back to the upside thing. Now, Urias, you know, he just turned 20 in June, and I agree. I think he was a little underrated last year, especially given how young he was for the level. 
Um, I think when a guy sort of quote unquote comes out of nowhere and it's the California League, there's always that. Yeah, it's the California League. Yeah, and you know anybody, <laughs> everybody hits in the California League. But now that he's moved up, and yeah, the Texas League is not a terrible place to hit, but that's where the pitching starts to get legitimate. And this guy just keeps hitting. He keeps on getting on base. He's got more walks than strikeouts. I mean, how many 20-year-olds do you know that can do that at, at, at the double-A level? So he's really impressive. Um, Tatis, you know, I, get, I think there's still a chance that he ends up being the better player. Um, but he also might end up moving to third, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. But if Urias stays up the middle and plays short and Tatis moves to third, um, then there's more, a little more value with an up-the-middle player. Uh, Tatis definitely has more power. I think Urias has a chance to hit for more average. Um, you know, what Tatis is doing, we just had him on our podcast uh, yesterday. Um, I don't know that it's up yet while we're, you know, while we're talking. but um, And one of the things I, I talked to him about you know, that impressed me the most with him is often when guys, especially really young guys, go to full season ball, uh, maybe they start out well and then they hit that wall because they've never had to play this many games. He's getting better in the second half. Um, he gave a, a very firm tip of the cap to his dad uh, in terms of helping him prepare for what a full season is like. And so his body was much more prepared. So uh, kudos to him there. And, you know, as he's improved, you know, the, the strikeout rate has gone down. The walk rate has improved. Um, so you, you look now and you see, well, the strikeout total is a little high, but with, I'm not even looking at his splits, but I'm going to guess that uh, a lot of that was compiled to those first couple months when he was kind of adjusting and scuffling a little bit. And lately, he, everything he's been doing has been loud contact. Yeah, you know, Tatis, Tatis is, is an interesting pro- prospect. I mean, he just seems to get better every day and, and, and getting better, like you like you mentioned, the, the second half of the season. Um, do you think that he has the ability to stick defensively at shortstop? I don't know if you've seen a lot of him defensively. I have not seen uh, an inning of him play baseball. Okay, okay. And, uh, that's one of, one of the things that, you know, I would love, you know, if, if I had, uh, you know, if I lived on an, on an island by myself, I would probably just stay on the road and try to see as many guys as I can. But until they get to the Arizona Fall League, or I happen to be in their camp when they're playing for spring training, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not going to see them, and so I haven't seen them. So I have to rely on talking to the people who do see them, and then that's of course is the pro scouting industry. But I think he's got a really good chance to stay. Um, but he's definitely in the mold of bigger shortstops. Yeah. Uh, the arm is plenty. Um, you know, he, he's got good hands. It's all going to come down to, will he cover enough ground? And so far he does. I mean, even with the base running I and mean, he's got 22 steals, he's like a fringy average runner. Like if you just clocked his times, yeah, yeah. but you know, great instincts and he knows what he's doing. And that yes. works on, uh, that works on the other side of the ball too. So I think, you know, he's going to be given every single chance to, to stick at shortstop. And I, and I, I think he will, um, you know, there could come a time way down the road where sliding over to third makes sense or just because of personnel, you know, if they have a better shortstop, let's say Urias shows that, you know, he's a better shortstop, 
and you can have Arias at short and Tatis at third, then that's okay. what you do. You also may end up with Tatis at short and Arias at second. You know, yeah. it's a nice problem to have. Exactly, exactly. I think the Padres have a, a lot of depth, in particular in the minor, in the lower minor league levels, where they can move pieces around if they have to. Um, you know, speaking of Tatis and Quantrill. Uh, you know, obviously both of them are sons of former major leaguers. Uh, I'd, l- I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, the pedigree that that, that players come with, uh, like Tatis or Quantrill, and how much that goes into their development and how much that goes into your guys' rankings as far as uh, their abilities and stuff. Just you have to, you have to, kind of wonder if if they have an advantage, if you will. Um. Yeah, I mean there there are a couple of things. I don't think it figures that much into uh, into the into the rankings. Um, maybe it gives you a little more confidence that what they're doing in the Midwest League or in the the lower levels. Um, we actually I we asked Fernando about the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in the Midwest League too, and they talk all the time because they're literally on the same path. Um, that uh, that you have more confidence that as they move up, they'll know how to handle. Adversity and adjustments. To me, it's a really interesting nature versus uh, nurture thing, and there's a little bit of both. You know, obviously the bloodlines, the DNA, all that's good, but having that sounding board, um, maybe having grown up around the game, so it doesn't the playing every day in the clubhouse isn't foreign. Those are those are definite advantages. I I don't know that you can uh, quantify exactly how big of an advantage but it's definitely an advantage yeah no it's you, you they, they've been there they've seen it they've been in the major league dugout or major league clubhouses so they kind of have an expectation of, of what they're looking for so it's i find it interesting that uh that just the, the way they they talk and the way they hold themselves and the way they carry themselves they they kind of already kind of figured it out mentally uh the mental part of the game if that's even possible um let, let's talk a little bit about uh Michael Baez or, or Michelle Baez, uh, that's someone who's really just kind of come out of nowhere and vaulted up the list. I don't know if you've seen a lot on this young Cuban pitcher or, or heard a lot on him, but he's been very impressive, and, and uh, Padre Landa is pretty excited about him. Uh, yeah, it was funny because we, um, yesterday when uh, when our lists went live uh, on Tuesday, uh mm-hmm. We, we all did Twitter chats, and we, we all three of them, we got questions about him. Uh, you know, how close was he to the top 100? What do we think of him? You know, he, he, you know, he did not enter into the top 100 conversation yet, um, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, yeah. <laughs> going to have to. Um, you know, the quick jump up to full-season ball, and I know he's 21, but... You know, I think I if I had to guess, and this is without asking anybody with the Padres about him, they probably planned on bringing him along a little more slowly, but in an extended, uh, he, he was just too good. And they needed to challenge him, and he's clearly shown uh, really going uh, uh, just ridiculous ability to use his stuff within the strike zone, which is funny because the one grade we had on him, which was if he was the control grade. Yeah. Granted, these are like a report like that is based on not a whole lot of data. So um, it's based, maybe what he did internationally. If someone saw him in extended, um, 
it, it's going on very little, so, and we'll adjust that you know, going into next year. So uh, he is definitely a guy that we're going to want to watch. Not that it's difficult to want to watch a six foot eight guy who yeah. touches can touch close to triple digits. Um, you know, so there is a tremendous, tremendous amount to like about him. So I actually want to jump in and, and talk about another Cuban. Um, we have Adrian Morajon, who apparently, I didn't hear this this morning, he got promoted to uh, Fort Wayne. So he'll be starting for the Tin Caps on Saturday. Uh, I wanted your thoughts on him and, and how you've seen him develop and what, what you've heard from him in his first taste of professional ball this season. Well, again, and it's, and it's funny, just from a pure statistical standpoint, uh, and, it's the same, and, and it's the same thing with Baez, the first thing that stands out, Three walks and thirty-five in the third innings for Morjon. Uh, I mean, it's that's insane. I don't care what level you're pitching at. Um, you know, he's not. I think Baez, pure stuff-wise, is you know a, a tick ahead, but at least pure you know in terms of the power stuff. But this guy has three above-average to plus pitches and above-average control of all three of them, and he's eighteen. This isn't like a 23-year-old international signing. <laughs> One of the things that's most interesting about some of these Cuban signings now is we're not getting like the older guys like we used to. Yeah. You know, we're getting these teenagers. Um, and, you know, I think he has a chance to, uh, you know, be like a, a really, really good, let's say a number two starter, because, again, I don't want to keep too much on, on the guy. But uh, he's going he's gonna to add some more strength. So he'll probably actually start throwing harder, and he's already got a you know a, a plus fastball uh, based not just on the velocity, but his ability to to command it uh, and you know move it in and out and, and things like that. So uh, throw that with the you know, he's got like a couple different kinds of changeups. He's got a really he's got a plus curveball. Um, I can't wait to see this guy pitch. It's going to be a lot of fun to to finally see him in person. Yeah, yeah, you know the. The Padre Farm system is is loaded. I mean, there's a lot of young players, but Patrick and I are so excited with with the future of this team. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know we could go all day about all 30 prospects, but <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, maybe one or two in this top 30 that you got your eye on, someone that maybe we haven't mentioned yet, someone maybe on the bottom list. There's there's a lot of young players. Uh, you know, is there anybody in particular that you're excited to see? Let me let me let me let me go down to the bottom. I mean, because I think there are guys sort of in the middle. Yeah, I mean, there's there's someone like a Chris Paddock. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I mean, he he's recovered from Tommy John surgery, but he has I mean amazing numbers the last two years between the Marlins and, and the Padres. Uh, you know, it's just it's just fascinating seeing. Uh, you know, us here in San Diego aren't used to seeing aren't used to having this many prospects, and we're kind of just you know amazed with what what AJ Pro has been able to do in the past two and a half years. Sure. Well, I mean, once upon a time, Chris Paddock, even with Tommy John surgery, would have been your number three prospect. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and what what AJ has been able to do, you know, after originally sort of throwing all of his chips in to try to go for it, was to quickly realize that it didn't work, and to sort of, for me, go back to what he what his strengths were, which is built, helping to build the farm system. I mean, he was mm-hmm. such a huge part of what the Texas Rangers did, especially on the international front. So the stuff that the Padres have done on the international front are, uh, are uh, you know, not surprising. Um, and a guy like Paddock, yeah, you know, the one thing you'll have to see, he, he's not a, he was never a pure stuff guy, so that's good. 
uh, command sometimes can take a little time to, to come back. So it'll be interesting to see when he comes back how long it takes him to regain feel for you know, he had a plus plus change up, maybe like a almost a, a seventy, you know, on the yeah. eighty scale change up. And that can take a little time just to, to get a feel for it because you, you, it's not like you get to stand up and throw a plus change up right out of the gate. Now maybe he will. I mean, these days, you know, guys come back from Tommy John much more sooner than you think in terms of the crispness. But I always like to give that sort of disclaimer, like, let's see when he, you know, when he comes back, uh, how he throws. But I think he's the kind of guy that could be like a number three or four starter. And again, I mean, even he was number 16 on the list preseason, and now he's down at 27. Some of that, most of that is just because of the performance of guys who have who have jumped over him uh and you know a lot of draft guys that they added uh and and, you know things of of that nature um you know one guy i I like probably more than i should is is austin allen okay Uh, i don't know why you know it's i just think he's gonna hit and again he's in the california league he's been hitting lately um We'll have to see how the catching goes, you know. But could he be an yeah. offensive-minded backup to Hedges, you know, and his defense? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I'm just kind of. Uh, he was he was an interesting guy coming out of the draft, just out of a Division two school. He hit like 450, so I was like, let's see what he can do. And uh, it's been a little slower going, but left-handed hitting catchers with power usually get a chance. So I'm just it's the kind of a guy I'm keeping a, a loose eye on to, to see how he how he progresses once he gets out of the California league. Yeah. And I think he he's a perfect complement for a defensive minded right handed hitting hedges. And I think that that's what the long term hope is. Obviously he's still in the California league and he's got strides to make, but it's 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 nice to see an unheralded type of player like that kind of progress through the system. I mean, he's he's definitely done well. I mean, he's 23 and he's he, I think he has 16 home runs this year. He's yep. he's performing, so it's 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 nice to see that type of progression. Um, you know, my last question for you is regards to this past draft that we had. We talked to you briefly before that, uh, trying to predict who the Padres would pick. Obviously, that was. <laughs> that was not going to happen. Um, but I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on uh, like a Mason House or a, a Blake Hunt or a, a Luis Capusano, who the Padres selected with their uh, second, third, fourth uh, picks. Yeah, well, let me talk about the two catchers first because I actually got some questions about that, you know, following the draft and, and just you know, recently. And people were like, why did they, you know, they take two young catchers so close to each other in the draft? And, I, you know, the, the first answer is – you know, I think it's a supply and demand uh, thing, um, and you can never have too much, and you never know what you know what's going to happen. Teams are always looking for catching, and if you have the surplus, um, but uh, you know, so maybe it's a trade ship. Uh, yeah. Capusano is interesting. You know, he was the guy that was kind of thought of as maybe the top catcher. In, in the draft class. Um, we'll have to see how it all comes to together. You know, he's got some power. Uh, he's He's got a really strong arm. I got, like, very mixed reports about him coming coming out of high school, though. 
Uh, so we're kind of have to see that. And, and uh, Hunt is a guy who kind of popped up uh, a little bit later on uh, in the year. A uh, really good high school program. Um, can really catch and throw. He's a little bit more like Austin Hedges. Um, okay. But he's, the bat started to come around a little bit. Uh, his, his high school team played in the, in the Boris Classic, and he went off in front of a whole lot of people. Um, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. He's kind of a strength over bat speed guy, so you're going to have to wait and see how the, how the bat plays. Um, it may take some time, but he can really, really catch and throw. So those guys, you know, to me are really interesting, and I'm always a fan of going for a higher upside. You know, I think when, when the Padres flipped the switch to, to rebuild and things like that, they didn't do it by let's draft a whole bunch of college guys so we can fill in the upper levels of the city. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they drafted Cal Quantrill. You know, there was a little bit of the rolling unit of the dice. But aside from that, they've been really, really aggressive. So to get three, you know, you get the two high school catchers, you get the high school lefty Mackenzie Gore up top, and then Mason House in, in the third round, um, it's pretty good. And he's got he's got some power potential too. Uh, so I, I think there's uh, a lot to, to like. I think, you know, maybe he's a, a really – House ends up – he's going to end up in a corner – um, I haven't looked to see where where they've been playing him, but he's he's got you know enough arm to to handle either corner. Probably might have the power profile that you like to see from those spots. Yeah, now, he, Preller is all about upside and all about uh, development, yep. and and uh, it's it's fun to see all these high ceiling kids in, in this system. And and you know, Padre fans, we just want to hurry up and fast forward to 2019 to 2020 <laughs> when when this team should be should be turning the corner and uh, competitive. So, you know, the Dodgers are a juggernaut in our division, and, and their farm system is loaded as well. So it's uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. Yeah, um, no, it will. No, you're right. And, and the the fact that the Dodgers are that deep and and have deep pockets too. So they yes. Can whatever they yes. want. They can either let the Cody Bellingers of the, of the world come up and be really good or use some pieces to trade and still not completely destroy their farm system. So they've got a chance to be good for, for a while. So, yeah, it is, it is an uphill climb for any, anybody in the NL West, I think. But, uh, but, you know, that's what the wild cards are for. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, the Padres have, have stacked themselves with so much uh, talent that you got to figure that some of these guys are, are going to be pretty good. So we're just, uh, we're just exciting kind of weeding through them and, and – uh, let the let the uh, let the cream rise to the top, if you will. Uh, Jonathan, we want to thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, we went a little over with our time, but we really appreciate you coming on. We we could have literally discussed all thirty prospects. I mean, there, we didn't even touch on Anderson Espinosa, Eric Lauer. Never heard Luna. of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's there's so much to talk about, but thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, you got to check out the MLB.com's uh, top 30 prospect list. It's just just been uh, revamped, and it's 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 always intriguing to to see where they're uh, positioning guys. Uh, Jonathan, thank you again. Uh, please keep in touch and uh, let us know if there's anything we can ever do for you. All right, sounds good. You know how to find me. Thanks, Jonathan. Have a good one. Thank you. Uh, well, there you go, folks. Uh, fresh off the updated top 30 prospect list, we brought Jonathan Mayo in to discuss. Uh, some of the Padres' prospects, uh, obviously, like I said, we could have gone through all 30 because uh, it's this this team is just stacked. I mean, it's it's fun, Patrick, to, to get uh, 
to talk to Jonathan and get his uh, opinion on, on some of these uh, young Padre prospects. Yeah, it would have probably taken us three hours to talk about every single guy. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, we, I don't, we only have I don't so think much time. <laughs> yeah, I think Jonathan's kind of busy and all, so I guess we kind of had to, to let him go and stuff. So, um, Thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Uh, I apologize. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus for the past 10 days or so. Uh, we will be back this week with another exciting guest. We have AJ Casabell lined up uh, to talk some trade rumor stuff for us it's right before trade deadline. So it's going to be uh, an exciting show in the next couple of days. Definitely want to catch that. Um, Patrick, anything else before we're out of here? Um, give Jonathan Mayo a follow on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Jonathan Mayo. That's Jonathan with two A's. Um, I'm on Twitter, Patrick Brew 93 uh, James EBT underscore news, EBT underscore J Clark. Our podcast is EBT podcast on Twitter. Give us a follow on all those. Uh, we're on Apple podcasts. We're pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. We'll be there. Um, give us a review on iTunes. Let your friends know, give us a listen, spread the word. Definitely. And, uh, don't forget to check out originalgrain.com, our sponsor. Excellent, excellent timepieces. You guys got to check them out. Uh, EBT Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.